Welcome to Busy Living So Busy Living So Busy Living. It's episode 168, 168. And I'm really excited because my daughter's here again. And it's fun to have her on because, for one, she's got another perspective. For two, I don't want to say you're an expert on religious studies, no. but she just earned her degree in religious studies. Only a bachelor's. A bachelor's degree, not a doctorate even, but she at least has studied a lot more than I have when it comes to religion and when it comes to different religions. Mm-hmm. And um, welcome, Hadley. Thanks. Hi. 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 How's it going? How's it going for you? She's got a hurt wrist. I'm so, fine. She's just fine. It's just, you know... We're all kind of sick of the pandemic. Let's just be real. Mm-hmm. So it's nice that she said yes to do this because she might be kind of sick of her mom. And um, she said just a little bit. She put up her hands just a little bit. So when it comes, and we're in Mental Health Awareness Month, and this week actually is like the week that specializes, if you were to do, and I'm doing air quotes here, alcoholism. And so Hadley, being a religious studies major, there's a very big component Especially if you decide to join, let's say, the 12 Steps Alcoholics Anonymous. You want to join Alcoholics Anonymous? You're like, I don't want to do it. It's a cult. It's a God thing. And I can tell you this from my per- only my personal opinion, because that's all Busy Living Sober is about, is each person's personal opinion and personal experience. But I know that if I didn't have a higher power, and that, then I don't think, I, I know I wouldn't be sober today. And there's a lot of acronyms for God. It's good orderly direction, group of drunks, God himself, Jesus Christ. Um, There's a lot of different things, but I think that there has to be something out there. So Hadley, will you talk to us about the different... So what religions did you study when you were in college? Okay, I want to start off by making the distinction of religious studies isn't... Religious studies isn't inherently the study or the advocacy for religious practice. Well, it's the study of religious practice, but it isn't necessarily advocating for, like, one universal truth. It's taking a step back and acknowledging that there's a phenomenon across all, all almost every culture where we find ourselves trying to reach to, towards a higher power that doesn't give any religion more merit. It doesn't give religion merit in general because it's all belief. None of it has any tangibility which makes it very interesting to study but I just wanted to make that clear first like this is a completely unbiased like in religious studies we aren't studying to be chaplains or or like proprietors of any particular religious tradition or most people aren't even very religious most people are pretty uh, agnostic or don't even believe in any spiritual traditions uh, in religious studies um, so I just want to make that clear um, to get off the back, but in my religious studies courses, I've studied Buddhism. Um, I've studied a little bit of Hinduism. I studied Black Atlantic tradition, so like Haitian voodoo, Santeria, um, Rastafarianism in Jamaica. I've studied um, um, African American tradition, so like uh, Nation of Islam, um, Baptist churches. Uh, I've studied like African revi- African spirituality revival movements. I've studied the Jewish tradition. Um, I've studied uh, cults. Um, 
and I've studied shaman, shamanism. So I've studied, uh, and I've studied like the intersections of women and religion as well, and things that are important to me like that, but that's... That's a huge wealth of knowledge. That is way, way more than I have. So if somebody, and I know you're not an alcoholic, so I don't know, if, you, but you've been around your mother enough to know this, that, um, and you were raised Christian-ish. Yeah, Episcopalian-ish. Episcopalian-ish, you don't say, well, you took the sacraments. I mean, I took the sacraments, but I don't feel as though we were, like, very ingrained in um, our religious tradition growing up. I don't feel like I really, like, took to it. I don't think, I think that we participated. Um, I think that as a child being brought into a religion, it isn't super often that the child takes to the religion. Rather, they see it as, like, an obligation of, like, getting dressed on a Sunday. It's a tradition. It's a tradition. It is its tradition, and it's something a family does together. So I'm just going to give you a little background, and I want to ask you a question. So when people come into the program or have alcohol and drug problems, I believe that we need a power bigger than ourselves to, like, I, I you know, I don't want to say conform to because that's not the right word, but someone to be able to look up to and to rely on that you can't see, you can't feel, you can't touch, you can't smell. So what different kinds of gods, because there's people that will say, if you decide to go to a 12-step meeting, let's say, you decide to go, and people are like, well, I can't stand this higher power talk. What about, I don't believe in the higher power. What should I do? And it, needless to say, a lot of people come in and they're like, well, make the doorknob your higher power. And um, will you tell us about the different gods that they have or tradition, what they look at as their higher power and say, like, tell me Rastafarianism. I had no idea. I know that the people have dreadlocks and I think smoke a lot of weed, but I don't know if that's really true. Well, Rastafarianism is a sect. Rastafarianism is actually a sect of Christianity in which, um, or Judaism. It's a sect of, like, Abrahamic traditions, but instead of, um, instead of the chosen people being the traditional, um, Israelites of Israel, um, Jamaicans, uh, believe that it was the African people and that they are in a diaspora, uh, much what like the Jewish mean? diaspora. It means that the group is spread to the spread to the wind like with the Jewish tradition or in the Rastafarian tradition looking at like the African enslavement and the transatlantic slave trade you saw like people who were like all one at one point together spread across the co the eastern coast of the of uh, of North America South America brought all around the world and spread into a diaspora and the same can be said of the Jewish people because there is no epicenter and there is no epicenter for um, for African people who were taken in during the slave trade. So it's that idea of a dia diasporic religion. And so it's the same. And with the weed smoking, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about a uh, holy herb. And so it is, in a sense, a religious practice, to, or it is a religious practice to smoke and interpret the Bible and interpret, like, biblical biblical traditions and biblical scriptures while you're high because it's like seen to be connecting to a greater power yeah but we're not a proponent of smoking weed but we're a proponent of finding the i mean but you can't do you can't devalue like the religious traditions that's right. the thing right so what is what is 
what is the god in the Rastafarian and it's your God. It's the same God. It's a Christian. It's using the biblical analysis. Like Jesus is the, the, well, the thing is that there hasn't been a Messiah to deliver. Actually, that's a lie. There has been a Messiah. It was, uh, Hail Khaleesi, uh, who was, uh, the King of Ethiopia in the 1950s. And he was the Messiah who was supposed to bring back together the African diaspora. He actually went to Jamaica in 1950. He went to Jamaica in 1950. And how long How long has Rastafarianism been around? Um, so Rastafarianism, I don't have an exact date, but probably around the mid-1600s. It's interesting because uh, Jamaica was an English settlement in um, the Atlantic, uh, the lower Atlantic islands. And so it was instead of, um, instead of religious traditions like Haitian voodoo, or Santeria, which were uh, both French and Spanish, respectively, colonies, um, which had a Catholic influence on the development of Black Atlantic religion. So there's a lot more mixing with like Catholic spiritual traditions and like images of the Virgin Mary uh, intermingling with like African deities. Um, but because so there, so there but were- because Jamaica was an English colony. It uh, intermingled with a more, um, not Episcopalian, Anglican uh, perspective that had a more, like, puritanical uh, ideal. So they looked at, so they looked at Jesus Christ as God, their Savior? No, no, that's not what I was saying. Okay. So it was, um, it Hail Khaleesi was essentially the Jesus figure because they interpreted the Hebrew Bible being their Bible, their scriptural text. And then the people that were the voodoo, what, what was their God? So you said it was Catholic. Does that mean that it was the Pope? No. I didn't say that. It, I said that it was intermingling with Catholic because all of these re- traditions are traditions of resistance where, um, where we see African spirituality... Uh, being barred because originally slavery was justified by um, the ability to enslave non-Christians. And so because all of these African people were not Christian, they had an excuse to enslave them. But then as we get further into like the mid-16th or the mid-17th century, we see more conversion rates and enforcing uh, Catholicism onto the enslaved populations of these colonies because because it was viewed as a damnable offense in the eyes of the Catholic God to leave people without being saved. And so we see enforcement of uh, Catholic traditions intermingling with the African traditions that these enslaved people were desperately trying to hold on to to continue to have some sense of self self because as we know religion plays an integral part in finding moral value in the world in and fi- in, in like your upbringing and and for a lot of people for their sense of self and so to have that stripped away and being forced into being in a Catholic environment, you had to code switch and kind of make links where, like, this Catholic, uh, Catholic deity, like Mother Mary, um, will line up with this African deity and will hail 
the Virgin Mary as this person, but we're really like paying homage to this person. And so it kind of worked like that. And it had a lot of magic. It has a lot of like magic influences as well. Like there's a lot of, um, it's not like the typical, um, honestly, bear with me because I haven't taken this, I took this class like three years ago now, but um, it has a lot of magical components like dealing with plant matter and casting spells and um, poisoning and uh, making uh, making voodoo like there's dolls. like there are not necessarily voodoo dolls that isn't really a thing excuse me that isn't really a thing but like zombies not in the way that zombies are portrayed in um like any popular media from the 1950s on because often that was used to fearmonger these religions but um zombies do exist in the Haitian voodoo tradition um, and yeah, so it was kind of like, there's also elements of like spiritual possession and, um, giving gifts to these deities, uh, by, uh, laying out their like favorite foods, their favorite smells, anything. So I want it cause this is getting a little, it's getting a little long winded. I want to make it a little more brief. So if somebody's out there and you're like, what can, what are examples of fun gods that if you didn't want to believe that it was the person that died on the cross and went to heaven, what will you give us a couple examples of different gods people have, or you don't have any? Uh, I don't think framing anything as fun gods is really respectful to any particular religious tradition. And it immediately values that like one real Christian God as the, the monolithic God. And I don't think that adds any value to any religious studies discourse. So I'm not really going to play into that. Um, I think that all spiritual traditions are worth looking into. I think that it gives you a better global perspective for being aware of the world around you and how other people perceive the world based on their scriptures, which I think is very powerful in understanding what's around you and who surrounds you. Like, um, in, when I was in, when I was in India last summer, uh, I spent a lot of time around Buddhists and so their value systems were a little different than mine based on um, their religious traditions. But at the end of the day, we're all people. So we all reach out. Um, I'm not going to give examples so people can pick and choose and be like this and this and this. Um, because all religious traditions are inherently valuable. You can't value or devalue belief. Um, Honestly, all religious traditions, uh, Freud says that religious traditions exist to uh, prevent us from going insane at the chaos of life without a purpose. Uh, oh, like Peter that. Berger says uh, that we use religion as a canopy, as the sacred canopy that protects us from all the chaos that reigns around us. Um, and that isn't decreeing whether it's real or not. It's just decreeing that we need to put everything into a sacred order. And that is how, um, oh God, Turner, James Turner, he puts it as, uh, religion, uh, requires nomos, which means that we need our world to be in a sacred order that it, that fixes 
that uh, fulfills our needs of the world. So I have these values, and these values must be upheld in my eyes. And if they're not upheld, I'll feel as though the world is crumbling. And that is, uh, that's a very poor definition of nomos, but I find that that's a very good um, explanation. So there's some, it, it, I mean, religion works. I can't say or not say whether religion works because we, we're seeing a rise in agnostic movements. We're seeing a rise in movements that don't necessarily follow the religious paradigms, and we're still standing here. I will say that religion has existed uh, for millennia, and it seems to be a uniting factor in many cultures, other than the fact that all of our religious traditions differ widely. Um, I think that, I think that, uh, I don't, I can't make that, I can't make that claim that religion works because what does it mean to work? Yeah, so which, out of all the religions that you've studied, which did you find yourself attracted to, uh, if, there, if you were attracted to any of them the most, and which, what, what points did you like about it? Um, I, I mean, I think that every religious, not every, a common, a common conception of religious studies majors is that we're all spiritual seekers, um, I'm just trying to find meeting, trying to find our nomos. But I would say I particularly enjoyed shamanism. I thought that shamanism was pretty cool. I'm very into nonconformity. I think that there's also a large... I want to emphasize um, my women in religion class because I really enjoyed that, and I think that there's a lot of room for liturgical creativity that would allow for more feminisms to exist in religions because it's often problematic it's often problematic how misogynist a lot of world traditions are and i find that to be a large turnoff for all religions um but shamanism is more nonconformist and more sectarian not even what sectarian does sectarian mean it means that they're sex like like Episcopalianism is a sect of um, is a sect of Christianity, just like Baptist or um, or uh, Methodist. Uh, but shamanism really is more of like a I don't want to say vendor, but it's like a cultural it's a cultural monolith. Uh, it it has a communitarian it has like a value. For the community, it's a community role. You take care of everyone in the community. You're a healer, um, and it isn't tied to one specific god or goddess and one specific ritual that everyone participates in. I mean, there are some rituals that everyone participates in, but it also has like a person-to-person -person basis where you go and you visit your neighbor who might have experience soul loss or something and you have to venture into the spirit world in order to um uh get healing and then there's also like spiritual possession um which is cool i think 
So, um, I like shamanism. I like the nonconformist traditions. I'm a fan of Demeter as a Greek goddess as well, bringing the spring um, and also bringing the winter. And she's a very protective female force. So. Wait, what's her name? Demeter. Demeter? How yeah. do you spell it? D-E-M-E-T-E-R. Demeter, and she's the goddess of spring and fall? No, she brings the seasons. She um, is the mother of Persephone. Um, so Persephone was in the garden with a bunch of other goddesses, daughters, and goddesses in their own right. And Hades came down and um, came up, rather, and took... Persephone and Persephone was Demeter's like most beloved child and so when she when Demeter returned really Persephone is the goddess of springtime but um when Demeter returned and saw that her daughter was gone and kidnapped by Hades um Demeter put the world into an eternal winter um in her sorrow and Zeus was pissed uh Hades was like, I did not expect this, and um, I forgot what what Zeus specifically said, but it ended with like, you underestimated uh, you underestimated Demeter, and you need to make this right. And so they worked out the. Um, this is also just gonna throw this out there right now. I know I'm breaking up the story, but this is an explanation story as to why we have the seasons according to the Greek uh, canon. Um, so Demeter, so Hades is, is like, okay, can we share Persephone? Um, you get her, like, two, three seasons, I get her one season. Um, and she was like, fine. And, um, so they're reunited, Demeter and Persephone, and Perse and then we get the spring, in the summer, where life blooms. In the fall, life fizzles out again. When Demeter, or when Persephone goes back into uh, the underworld to be with Hades. And then it comes, and then the winter, the dead of winter, when it's so bitter cold, that is where uh, Persephone is deep in the underworld. And then as she comes back up, so does life prevail. I love that. See, I'm into Greek mythology. I think Greek mythology is cool. It's very cool. I enjoy it. That would be one of my things that I would enjoy. Well, I find that, you know, I think that there's so many different religions. And, you know, going back to 12 Steps, it's not a religion. And it's finding just something higher than you. I think that investigating some Greek god to be the one that can be your higher power would be something that would be beneficial I mean, to people. I mean, it sounds like the 12 steps is kind of like your nomadic roadmap. Um, not nomadic, more like your the roadmap, roadmap of your nomos in order to find sacred value in your life and fulfillment, right? Yes, I love that. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a spiritual thing. It's a, definitely a spiritual thing. I think that getting sober and staying sober for a long period of time and living your life in recovery, it is important to really have that roadmap and have something that's, you know, it is your road. The 12 steps are the roadmaps and the traditions on how to go, follow through th to your life. And for me, having a God, you know, 
I I kind of like the idea of Persephone or Persephone and Persephone Demeter. and Demeter. I think they sound really cool because I love the seasons. I think that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think that coming on here. And I, by the way, I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to belittle religion whatsoever. No, I know I you make, didn't. And, yeah. and I, I want the listeners to know that I, I, I believe that whatever you believe in that works for you is what's important. I don't think that me shoving whatever I believe down someone else's throat is imperative to giving life, right? I think yeah. that I can respect everybody, and I think that I can learn when I hear different things. Like, I learned a lot today on this podcast mm -hmm. about different religions, even though some of it was deep and over my head. I can say that honestly. Um, and I didn't know some of the adjectives and verbs you were using, but I could ask you, and I didn't, I didn't, wasn't fearful of asking for help and saying, okay, what are you talking about? Um, I think that um, having some sort of knowledge that something's bigger than you out there. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that after going through these courses, you has that solidified your beliefs that there's something out there, or what? What? What has it done for you? Um, I think that, for me, the courses don't really have any effect on, I mean, they have a profound effect on, like, uh, the spiritual practices that I know about, and that, like, that are around the globe, but there's no real enforcement of any, like, specific religious value. Um, I think that I personally, through more of my time in college and, like, my growth in seeing all of these different religious traditions and how they work um, to help people or to harm people, I think that I've grown to acknowledge that um, I do believe in a higher power. I think that believing that we're all just here is a definite form of chaos that I'm not really willing to, uh, willing to believe in. I think that... Um, I think that there's important work that everyone is put on here to do, um, because why else would we be here? I think that every every life is sacred and important. Um, I think um, I don't know how much of that has come from my religious studies practice or more from myself. It's probably a combination. I haven't found myself like in a specific religious tradition, like going on to be like a Buddhist nun or anything. <laughs> Certainly not. I think that I've had an opportunity. I hate to say this because this is uh, this is like a religious studies nightmare, but I feel like I've kind of stood up to the religious buffet and I can just take and build and choose what uh, what I want to believe in and what. Uh, gods or goddesses that I want to uh, hold on to in my heart and uh, fulfill the needs of, whether it is simply symbolic or literal. Um, I, that's where I find myself. I have to say, this has been a really awesome podcast because the reality is I love what you just said. I have a religious buffet. I have a religious buffet. I'd never even heard of that. A religious a religious buffet is being able to take what you like from different different things and leave the rest, which is a big thing about the 12 steps. You know, it's take what you need and leave the rest. It's like it's about principles, not personalities. It's not the people, it's the it's the traditions and the steps that make it what it is. It doesn't matter what the human factor is, right? Mm -hmm. And having that religious buffet 
you know, gives you an opportunity to build whatever you want to build. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not stuck on anything. And I think that that's like a huge thing in life because I think sometimes at least some of us are raised to believe that there's what's right and what's wrong and you can't vary from that because God forbid somebody's going to come get you. And I'm always like, is there like a large table in the sky with all these people sitting around it that are going to come down and shoot lightning at you or something because you're not doing the right thing? And I don't According to the Greeks. According to the Greeks that happened. That's a joke, yeah. She's kidding. (laughs) But... You know, I think that having, I think that life isn't so literal as it is making it what you want it to be. And I think as Americans, we get to do that in a way that a lot of other people can't do. I think religious freedom is a powerful thing. Um, And being able to live in a world where uh, you don't necessarily have communal pressures to believe in anything specific or societal pressures to believe in anything specific it's really really powerful this has been a really powerful because you know what it's like when you get sober and you're out there and you're struggling and you're like I don't know what to do I don't know what a higher power is I don't like religion I don't like this conformity you don't have to you can go to the religious buffet and read about different things and find out what is your truth And that truth is what's important for you because that's what's going to save your butt at the end of the day. It's not going to be the alcohol or drugs because the alcohol and drugs are just a spirit that just take you down to a place where you can't even make a coherent decision anyway for yourself because you're going out of, you know, being high. It's not from a place of truth, so... This has been an awesome podcast. As always, I begged my daughter to do this because she's here, and I really wanted to talk about religious because I think having some belief is important. And whatever that, I don't think there's a right and wrong for whatever belief that is. I think that's each person's individual right to have a belief of whatever they believe. So go to that religious buffet, as Hadley discussed. And from there, choose what you want to be your higher power. And that will give you strength and the ability to get one more day sober. So amen to that. Thanks, Hadley. Yeah. That was awesome. So until next time, everybody, keep getting busy living sober. Oh, by the way, if you have any questions or comments, and so you don't have to feel alone, reach out to us at busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y, at busy, B-U-S-Y, livingsober.com. Until next time, keep getting busy living sober. Bye-bye.